You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. We're going to jump into this, and of course, I couldn't get us together on Christmas Eve without a Christmas message. So we're going to look at some things from the Word, and and I'm always grateful uh, for the Holy Ghost because I could not do what I do without Him. And you know, there are uh, times, and I was, excuse me, I was thinking, I almost dread holidays like this because not from a negative standpoint, don't misunderstand me, but um, because there's this uh, unimplied or untold pressure to have to come up with something new about a holiday that's 2,000 years old. It's kind of hard to do that. And so, you know, but I try and reject that pressure, but Um, I thank God for the Holy Ghost and being able to spend time in prayer. And, you know, if I ever have a hard time figuring out what is it that the Lord wants me to talk about, I found that if I just spend time praying in the spirit, I might get a sentence or a phrase or something. And so something will jump out into my thinking. And so that's exactly what happened with this message. So Let's get into this. If you have your notes, the scriptures are there for you and they'll also be on the screen. But let's start out. Let's look at Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 23. And uh, you're going to kind of get two messages in one. You're getting a BOGO today. All right. Buy one, get one. All right. So let's look at this. Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things. Now, you know, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph from the Bible. We don't know what happened to him. Uh, It's not recorded in the scripture. Our assumption is that Uh, Maybe he passed away or something like that. But I love the fact that the scripture does let us know that he was a good man. You know, because he could have, uh, if he had had a mind to, he could have gotten Mary into a whole lot of trouble. Because he knew he was not the father of the child. And here he was engaged to be married to her. And uh, back then, if you were engaged, it was respected as if you were already married. And so, you know, here I'm sure there were whispers in the village and, and uh, in Nazareth where they lived, you know, about all of this. But I love the fact that while he thought on these things, he, you know, or being a just man, he not wanting to make her, he didn't want to embarrass her. In other words, was minded to put her away secretly. But hallelujah, while he thought about these things, behold, y'all know what behold means? Look, look here. All right. Look, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Remember that son of David. Do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name. Say it with me. Jesus For he will save his people from their sins. 
So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, and Matthew's getting ready to quote the prophet Isaiah. And he said this, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for helping me today to communicate what you've laid upon my heart regarding the birth and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that revelation will flow freely by the Holy Spirit. And every heart in here is a heart to receive. Every ear is a hearing ear. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this quote that came from the prophet Isaiah was prophesied 740 years before the birth of Jesus. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit, when he moves upon people, there is no time nor distance. And when he speaks and declares something, uh, it doesn't matter if it's one year, two weeks, or 740 years, it will come to pass. Now, I want to give you a little bit of background as to why this prophecy came. We're going to, you know, of course, we're looking at what happened with Joseph and the angel ministering to him and helping him in the dream, quoting the prophet Isaiah. And uh, I want to give you the backstory as to what was going on. So let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, and let's look at verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Now it says this, It came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, the resin king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his heart, the king's heart, and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. Now I want you to picture this, that the people, in other words, they were frightened by what was going on. The Syrian forces came down and were attacking Judah. And uh, instead of hanging on to the promises of God, uh, they were being, like James said, tossed to and fro by the wind. You know, they would believe and then they wouldn't believe and then they'd be moved by what they saw and not moved by what they saw and so forth. And so the, the, the king of Judah and, uh, and Ahaz was, was ruling over them and so Syria again was attacking them. And then down in verse 10, it said this, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? The prophet asked. Now, what is going on here? Well, the Lord said, okay, Ahaz, let me give you some assurance that everything's going to be all right, that these enemies are not going to be able to prevail against you. So ask of me a sign. 
And notice Ahaz's response in verse 12. He said, I'll not ask, nor will I test the Lord. <laughs> now, I have to give you a little behind the scenes because, and the reason I laugh at this is because Ahaz thought he was conning God. He thought he was being really spiritual. Lord, you don't need to show me a sign. I'm not going to ask of you a sign. Well, what was really going on behind the scenes is that Ahaz had made a deal with the king of Syria that, that he would not come and, and ultimately destroy Judah and that he agreed to sell the people of Judah into bondage to the king of Syria. He had thrown the people of Judah under the bus. That's why he really didn't want to ask for a sign. Now, here's why. When you go to ask him for a sign from the Lord that something is going to happen, you're required at that moment to either believe it or reject it. And Ahaz in his heart had already rejected whatever God was going to do and whatever the sign was. But let's look and see what the Lord said. So in verse 14, he said, and this is the quote, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, God did something really interesting when he, when he uh, prophesied that prophecy. Because as I said, this was 740 years before the birth of Jesus. Now, what what the Lord did when he prophesied that was, think if, use your noggin with me for just a moment. If Jesus was ultimately going to be born out of Judah, then wouldn't that mean Judah was not going to be destroyed? Okay, wouldn't you draw that conclusion? All right, so what the Lord was doing is the Lord was making a commitment, giving Ahaz, a sign that the enemies will not be able to win, okay? So again, he said, ask for a sign, but Ahab said, or Ahaz rather said, I'm not going to ask for a sign, but Isaiah told him the sign that your enemies are not going to prevail against you is, is that there will ultimately be a virgin birth, now, we're going to talk more about the virgin birth in just a moment. But the prophecies, there were other prophecies going all the way back to the Garden of Eden declaring that Jesus was going to come. There were already prophecies in place that declared he was going to be of the lineage of David. You remember it said that Joseph was of the household of David. And also, we know that Mary was of the household of David. And that he was ultimately, the Messiah was ultimately going to come out of Judah. So all of that being wrapped up in this one verse right here declared that the, the enemies were not going to be able to destroy Judah because ultimately Judah would prevail. Now here's, a, here's the points of message number one. This is part A, okay? So if you're writing down, take notes, then write this down, please. And that is this, God's plans are always greater than the enemy's plans. See, the enemy planned to destroy Judah. Now think with me for just a moment. If you were Satan 
And you had been told going all the way back to the Garden of Eden that there was one coming who was going to be the seed of a woman, which was unnatural to begin with, and that he is going to bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Wouldn't you, if you were Satan, be on the lookout for that to take place? And if you began to get some inklings by prophecies that were delivered through the ages of where that was going to take place, wouldn't you attempt to destroy that place so that could never come to pass? Okay, that's really what was driving all of this that the king of Syria had going on. And you think with me for just a moment, even after Jesus was born, and you remember the wise men went back and, and they reported to Herod what they had seen in Bethlehem. And you remember what Herod did? He tried, he killed all of the children two years old and younger in Bethlehem. Now, of course, he was motiva motivated by the devil to try and stop the one who was coming who ultimately was going to defeat him and defeat death, hell, and the grave. And so, but thank God, God's plans, say God's plans are always greater than the enemy's plans. And the same thing is true for you. God's plans for your life are always greater than the enemy's plans. The enemy, according to what Jesus said in John 10, 10, he's bent on your destruction. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy and keep you from becoming everything that God wants you to be. He doesn't mind if you get saved. He doesn't mind if you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And matter of fact, he doesn't mind if you go to heaven, but don't let you do anything and have any measurable impact in the earth for the kingdom of God. He doesn't want that to take place. But thank God, God's plans for your life are always greater than the enemy's plans. Now here's the key. If we, write this down, will stay in faith, you are going to make it through whatever the enemy is trying to bring against you because God's plan will prevail. Now you have to stay in faith. God's plans are not automatic they, they, you have to be in faith and believing him for the plans to come to pass. But if you will stay in faith and be obedient to what God has for your life, I promise you his plans will come to pass for your life. Hallelujah. Now that was the reason that was what was going on at the moment. Now, one thing that you'll notice about the word of God, particularly if you study the written word of the Bible is that, that a lot of times when God shows up and, and does something or says something, it has more than one meaning or it has more than one occasion for fulfillment. In other words, God might say something as he did here that was applicable for that moment for Ahaz, but really he was prophesying for something that was going to take place 740 years later in Bethlehem. And so there were two meanings at the same time, two applications at the same time for this prophecy. And so, yes, this meant that there was victory in store for Ahaz if he would do right and obey the Lord. But there's another reason that we need to believe 
this prophecy. What prophecy? And that is verse 14, that the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And it has a much deeper meaning for us than it did as a sign to King Ahaz. All right. Now, write this down, please. I want to give you four things today. And uh, so I, I need you to write this down. We're going to talk about some, some foundational doctrinal things, uh, things that we believe as a church. Okay. You know, there are State, if you go on our website, there's a statement of faith out there. It's a declaration of what we believe as a church. One of the foundational truths that we believe as a church and that you must believe as a Christian is this. Number one, write this down, please. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the virgin birth. Now, this is highly, highly important. Very, very important. And I'm going to explain just a little bit as to why it's so important to us today and why it's a foundational truth, really, of the body of Christ, period. I don't care what denomination you come out of. You know, if you believe that Jesus is the Savior, then you must believe that he was born of a virgin. Now, I'll, again, I'll explain to you why, but look at this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the scripture says this. We, we read it earlier. Now, the birth of Christ was as follows, and after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, look at this, before they came together. In other words, before they had physical relations, she was found with child by whom? of the Holy Spirit, okay? Something very supernatural happened to Mary. Now, we don't worship Mary, but Mary was important. Thank God she was the, the, the natural mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was an important uh, part of all of this story. So, but she was found pregnant. She got impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter one and verse 20. But while Joseph thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife. Look at this. Why? For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain to you what happened. You know, when the angel appeared to Mary and, and told her, you have found favor with God. There shall be a holy thing conceived on the inside of you. His name shall be uh, Jesus. Told him, or told her rather, what some of what he was going to do. And then what was her response? Found in Luke chapter one and two. She said, be it unto me according to your word. <clears throat> now, uh, I got to teach for just a second. Can y'all can handle that? All right. When she said that, the word, the inspired rhema word of God did something supernatural on the inside of her. It met with the physical part of her and caused a supernatural conception to take place. 
the word of God became a seed on the inside of Mary and conceived in her the Lord Jesus Christ. Now don't ask me how that took place. All I know is that it did and that I receive it by faith and there may be someday in heaven we will fully understand it. But what I do know is that, that the seed of God's word went down on the inside of her and caused a supernatural conception to take place. And we know ultimately that seed grew and she gave birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what's important. Listen to me carefully. Jesus was not conceived by a man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus took the egg, or excuse me, God took the egg and the womb and added his own seed for conception to take place. Why? Because it had to be God's seed because sin was in the seed of man. In other words, every human being that's been born since Adam had in its nature sin conceived with it, spiritually speaking. And so that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation for thousands of years. But in order for this thing called redemption to take place, one had to be born that did not have sin conceived on the inside of him. The only one that was qualified to do the conceiving in that or the conception is God himself. Okay? All right? So that's basically what took place in the initial uh, conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's number two. Write this down. We believe Jesus is God having come in the flesh. Now, because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit or by God, then that made him 100% God. And because he was born of a natural woman, that made him 100% man. Okay, so look at Isaiah 7, 14 again. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. She would give birth to a natural child. Now, <clears throat> let me show you a couple of verses which you know from, from John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God and His Word are one. Okay? Now if you drop down in that same chapter to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I want you to really hone in on this. Focus on this with me for just a moment. The spoken word of God became flesh. Okay? Because it was conceived in the womb of Mary. All right. Now, 
Let me give you some points. These aren't on your notes, but let me give you some points so that you can understand why. You know, it's one thing to believe these things, but it's another thing, and this helps me, why, God, did it have to be this way? You know, like the song Mark Harris saying, what a strange way to save the world. You know, why did God have to do it the way that he did it? Well, let me give you some points that will kind of explain this. Here we go. The first one is this. If he was only 100% God, he could never die because God cannot die. So if God just said, you know what? I'm going to go down and I'm going to redeem mankind. And so God st stepped off his throne, came down from heaven, stepped into the earth well, first of all, the earth physically wouldn't be able to handle that. Look at when God showed up in the Old Testament. There were lightnings and thunderings and, and rocks shook and there were earthquakes and all this type of thing happening because when you have the creator of the universe that shows up on the scene, the natural has to bow its knee to, to him. So, so and, and we all know God cannot die. There is no death in him. And so if he just showed up because he's God, he would have never been able to die on the cross. Now, Romans chapter six tells us the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. So the payment that is necessary for sin is death. Well, if, if death is required, then God in his eternal glorified ultimate state, he couldn't do it. Okay. So here's the next one. If, if God did not die, then he did not pay for your sins. Death was required to pay for your sins. Think about the pattern in the Old Testament. What was required every time if you were a Jew and you needed to uh, deal with sin in your life, what did you have to do? Well, you had to go to Jerusalem. You had to get an animal. And did, could that animal live through that and pay the price for your sin? No, the animal had to die. The animal had to bleed. Blood had to be shed. Okay? So if, if God could not die, then he could not pay for your sins. Here's the next thing. If he did not pay for your sins, if God could not pay for your sins, then you can't be redeemed. Okay? So we're lost at that point. But thank God, God had a plan. Hallelujah. So this is what Christmas is all about. Jesus came into the earth fully God and fully man at the same time. He was fully God and fully human at the same time. Think about that. Now, here's the, the awesome thing is when Jesus came into the earth, Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he set aside everything that made him divine so that he could become a man, just a human being, just like you and me. Now, I, 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 here you have God, through the womb of Mary, clothed himself in flesh, 
set aside everything about him that made him God. Why? Why did he have to do that part? So that he could experience everything that you experience. He experienced temptation. He experienced pain. He experienced hurt, disappointment, betrayal, all of the things that we experience in our walk as human beings, Jesus experienced. He was tempted to sin, just like you're tempted to sin. He, he was affected emotionally by certain events in his life. We know when Lazarus died, he, he wept at Lazarus' tomb. Why? Because he loved Lazarus. So he experienced everything about being a human being. Why? So he could identify with you. And you could identify with him. Now, thank God he never sinned. He did not yield to the temptation. He never let his emotions control him. He never let his flesh get out of control. Isn't that something? Okay. But he was still fully man. Now look at, he, um, let me show you Hebrews chapter two. I did put it in here, didn't I? No, I did not. Hebrews chapter two and verse 14. Remember, or, or just make a note of that. Listen to it though. It's on the notes. I didn't include it in my slides. Okay. Because God's children are human beings. And I love this translation. Made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Let me read that again because that's a mouthful, all right? Listen to this. Because God's children are human beings, that's you and me, made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Isn't that amazing? God, the creator of the universe in his almightiness could not step into the earth and pay the price for our sin and break the power of the devil over your life. But if he would put on an earth suit, step into the earth and become flesh and blood, just like you and me and live like you and me, he could die on a cross, pay the price for us and forever break the power of the devil over our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we were held in bondage to the power of death and the reason he became a man was because only a man that was 100% God could break the power of death. A man that was fully man but not God couldn't do that. So we, you and I, thank God, little side note, we don't have to fear death because Jesus has already conquered it for us. Can I say this to you? Dying is going to be the easiest thing you do. It'll be like, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm going to talk about Gary for a second. We were joking last week because uh, Gary, you know, it was raining and it was one of those days when you want to just curl up 
into bed. So we were joking about that last week. But, you know, I, let me use, let me get off Gary for a second. Let me talk about me. When I went home after leaving here, the thing that I did is I changed clothes. I took off my church clothes and I, you know, Sunday afternoons, typically I put my sweatpants on and a t-shirt and my uh, slippers and I, that's it. I'm the end. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause I ain't going anywhere. All right. I, I don't plan on seeing anybody. I don't need to go to the store or anything like that. So I change and let me tell you what death for the believer is like. It's just as easy as when I walked in my bedroom and took off those Sunday clothes and laid them down. That's what dying is like for a believer. You lay down this earthly suit, if you will, this clothing that we wear and you go to heaven. Why? Because the power, the, the ability of death to be able to control you has been broken off of your life. Hallelujah. By the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So here's number three. Write this down, please. Jesus did not have a sin nature. Jesus did not have a sin nature. Why? Because the sin nature is what is passed to us because of man's sinful seed. Because you and I are born naturally, it's passed through us. Now, can I say this to you? Jesus' blood was not even Joseph or Mary's blood. Now, this is a medical fact. The blood in a baby or when conception takes place, the blood that is in that fetus has nothing to do with the blood of the mother. It's created by the conception that takes place from the seed of the father. <laughs> Jesus didn't have man's seed. He had the seed of God. So I want you to think about this with me. It was God's blood flowing through Jesus from the time he was conceived until the time he died on the cross. See, that wasn't just a man's blood that was shed at the cross. It was God's blood that was shed at the cross. He didn't have any, but he had to get some through the immaculate conception, as it's called in theological terms. On the cross, he took upon himself our sin nature to deliver us from it. Write this down, please. We are born into the earth of corruptible seed. We've established that. But we are born again with the incorruptible seed of the word of God. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say something. Let me read the scripture from 1 Peter and then I'm going to say something to you I don't know that you're ready for. 1 Peter 1.23, it says this, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Okay. When you were naturally born, sin was passed into you and me. But when you got born again, 
supernatural seed was put down on the inside of you through the gospel. And therefore, there was a supernatural conception that took place on the inside of you and a birth, a new birth took place. <laughs> okay. Spiritually speaking, not naturally, there, that will come. But spiritually speaking, right now, you carry the DNA of God in your spirit because it was his seed that got you born again. <laughs> um, let me, Holy Spirit, what, what's that scripture? Oh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, says that, that Christ was made sin for us. Let me, let me quote it right out of the Bible because I'm going to show you a Greek word that's in there that maybe you've never heard before. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says this. For he made him, underline the word made or make a note of that. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made or might become, same word in the Greek, the righteousness of God in him. Are, are, are you ready for this? Okay, can y'all handle a little deep nugget on Christmas Eve 2023? Okay, the word made, when Jesus was made to be sin for us, that Greek word is genomai, and it means, it's where we get, the root of that word is where we get genetics from, okay? When Jesus was on the cross and he took upon himself, the Bible said he became sin for us. Now keep in mind, he was born of a virgin, conceived by God. There was no sin nature in him. But when he was on the cross and he took your sin and my sin, there was something spiritually genetic that changed in him. And all of a sudden now he became like you and me, spiritually dead. Why did he do that? So that you and I could become, same Greek word, genomai, when we get born again, there's something spiritually, genetically that gets redone, reborn when we get born again. So now instead of having the DNA of the devil in your spirit, you now have the DNA of God in your spirit. Well, maybe that'll dawn on you on the way home. And I hope you have to pull the car off the side of the road, praise God, and just get out and shout a little bit. So when you and I got born again, God became your heavenly father. Now, I know we say that, but do we really believe it? God, I am conceived and born of God spiritually. Okay? He is my heavenly father. So when you say that in your prayers, don't, I want you to just think about it for just a moment. Don't let it be something you just say, okay? So when you got born again, God became your heavenly father. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus is no more a son of God 
then you are a son of God. Now he is the son of God, but he's also a son of God. And because you were born again, you became a son of God. That's why Jesus is called the first begotten from the dead. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Here we go. Number four, write this down, please. We still, remember the prophecy, you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Number four is we believe that he is still Emmanuel, God with us. Now, you know, I touched on this last week and I'm wrapping this up. The whole purpose, the whole plan of God, even with the children of Israel, is God said, I want them to be my people so that I can live among them. He wanted to live among his people. He's always wanted that. He still wants that. But now he went a step further. See, the plan of God with God being with us did not end when Jesus ascended to heaven. It still goes on today, all right? Here's how, write this down, please. The Holy Spirit, who is just as much God as Jesus is, has been sent to not only be with us, Emmanuel, but to be God in us. See, you've got an advantage over the children of Israel. God could be with them, but he could never be in them until Jesus came. But now that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised from the dead, and the Holy Spirit was sent into the earth, now God can not only be with you, he can be in you. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, Jesus said this. He said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be where? Huh? In you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he is still Emmanuel. Now I want to give you one last verse. Isaiah chapter nine and verse six, another prophecy given about the Lord Jesus. Isaiah said this, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Now notice what the Holy Spirit calls the son and says he will be. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor. What's the next phrase? Mighty God. What's the next phrase? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, this prophecy also describes that Jesus was fully human and fully divine. Now, you know, there's some religions that believe that Jesus was a good man. They, some even believe that he was a prophet sent into the earth. But it's much, much deeper than that. See, Jesus was not a messenger sent by God. He was God who came with a message. 
I'm going to say it again, maybe two or three times. He was not a messenger sent by God. He was God with a message who came into the earth. He also was the message of God sent to man. Let me say it one more time. He was not just a messenger sent by God. He was God with a message and came into the earth to deliver that message. You know, it's like, it's like God knew redemption needed to take place and he just said, ah, I'll just do it myself. I'll take care of it myself. And so he sent himself into the earth in the form of the Lord Jesus and paid for redemption because he was the only one that was qualified to be able to do it. So write this down, last statement. God did not send someone else to redeem us. He came, say that, he came. He came himself to suffer and die for us. No, look at this. The creator became creation so that he could redeem us. Hallelujah. So I want to go back to that verse again, Isaiah 7, 14. He said, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for the gift of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that it was really you packaged in a flesh body that came into this earth to redeem us and to deliver us, to pay that price upon the cross to shed your precious blood, to be able to pay the price for our sin and to be able to redeem us and to set us free. And Father, we thank you for it and we praise you for it and we love you with all of our hearts in Jesus' precious, holy name. Hallelujah. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.